Well, a big good morning to you. Welcome to East Bay Calvary Church. If you are a guest here today, a special uh, warm greeting to you. It wasn't too long ago I was a guest walking through the door. And next Sunday is a big one for us in that uh, I guess I'll be formally installed. <laughs> Makes me feel like an appliance, you know? <laughs> really, but... I don't really even know what all that means, but I will say, uh, whatever it means, we actually already feel installed. We feel plugged in. We feel a part of you. Um, and don't let this out. It may ruin my reputation as a big, tough guy, but I, I think we already are starting to love you folks. Really. We, we are enjoying... Oh, right. <clears throat> yeah. We're, we're enjoying every bit of this. This has just been a great ride. So thanks for being so kind to us and our family. Uh, if, if you're thinking, uh, hey, Brian's not preaching next week, so why show up? I'll tell you why, because Ken Rudolph is one of the best speakers I've ever heard in my entire life. They, they asked me who I would want at this type of a service. I want someone I just love to listen to and I've learned so much from, and Ken is that man. You will absolutely love it and be challenged, and I, I encourage you to come and be a part of it. And then I'm just looking forward to the, um, if you're a visitor, when you see punch, you know, punching happening or something like that in a church service or something, you may wonder, but the punch is the drink next week, and cake is what we will eat afterward. We won't keep you long, but it's just a little time for us to get together after the service, and we invite you to be a part of that. Grab your Bible, if you would, or... Your iPhone or your iPad or your iPod or whatever it may be, and turn to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. So far, we've discovered it's not about us, it is about God. It didn't start with us, it doesn't end with us. It is not about us, and yet we have a tremendous privilege to partner in the most awesome purpose in all of history, and that's partnering with God in the purpose of, of doing his desires and bringing him glory and doing the greatest things ever thought of in the history of civilization. It's God's plan. And he's drawn us into that and allowed us to be a big part of this plan but yet the plan isn't about us. It's his plan that ultimately matters. And last week we understood not only is it about God, it's about his word, and we need to make sure we don't drift from that. And today we're going to see that it is about his plan, not our fix. It's about his plan and not our fix. Now, sometimes we think about God's plan. We understand God is genius. I mean, he, he created the universe. He's brilliant. And yet, understanding all of that, and we're stepping into his plan, and we think this is a great thing to do, sometimes it seems like it's not working too well. And what do we do when God's plan doesn't seem to be working for us? Now, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever seen crazy fixes. I want to tell you to do something here sometime this week, Google crazy duct tape fixes. Don't do it now. You won't hear another word I say the rest of our time together. But when you go home, Google crazy duct tape fixes, you're going to see the most unbelievable things you've ever seen in your entire life. When I looked it up this week, 
There are people that actually duct tape their entire tire because it was going through a slow leak. There are people that duct tape uh, over the rust to be able to hold the body of their car together. There are people that duct tape electrical work. Do not encourage that. Plumbing and heating and air conditioning things. One of the most troubling pictures I ever saw were people that tried to duct tape clothing repair. And so I figured we'd test it out today. I have never done this before in my entire life, so I figured um, let's test some clothing repair. Now, these are not mine, by the way, just so you know, I'm not going to tell you what worship pastor donated them to us today. <laughs> no, they're comfortable. Okay. Okay, this is getting out of hand. Uh, let's try a little bit of repair work here together. There's holes uh, here in the back, as you can tell, and then there's a little problem here in the front. Now, we know how this should be done, right? We know that uh, this really should be sewn, stitched, patched, whatever may be the case. And what we're going to do is we're going to try to... It takes too long to repair stuff that way. So we're just going to try a little bit of work here this morning and see how this can, uh, and it almost matches the color. Get that on there good. Let's get that front part that's kind of important. Okay. There we go. That is perfect. Anyone here a 4630? No, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. I'm going to hear about that this week, aren't I? So uh, there we go. They seem to be repaired and just fine. Now for the test. I don't know how to do this. I'm not going to put them on. But let's just see. Uh, wow. That's... <laughs> That's actually pretty good. This is ruining my illustration. <laughs> well, let's close in prayer, folks. <laughs> actually, yeah. Wow, that's really... Oh, now we're having a little problem here. I, I assume that over time, this will probably open up and it'll create the same problem. Here's the, here's the front. and Yeah, that's not going to fly. Oh, that was... Okay. <clears throat> Have a whole new meaning to that phrase now, don't we? Yeah. Anyway, you ever realize sometimes we get ourselves in these situations and the plan isn't working out too well and we need a fix and we want it to be quick and we end up doing stupid repairs. How many of us have ever done those? Do you know what I'm talking about? More than just a duct tape repair on your clothing or on your car, sometimes we do those crazy, stupid repairs on our lives. And uh, when I was working through this, I was thinking about a couple that I knew in the past, and uh, I'm going to change their names here for the sake of our discussion, <clears throat> Reggie and Denise. I met him about 10 years ago. 
they had had their thoughts on going into marriage. It was going to be great. I think at the time I met them, they were married about six or seven years. However, their expectations were, they were just going tanking in the basement. Reggie really didn't have a heart for Jesus at all. He wasn't very churchy, and so he didn't want to do that with Denise, and she wanted to come, and, and so her aspirations, her passion, desire, she really wanted to be in a relationship where she felt loved. She wanted to be in a relationship that they could serve God together. And she didn't really know how to do this fix, and she really didn't want to wait, and she didn't know, what should I do? And so she found a fix of her own. And this is how I met them. They called up and they said, Pastor, we need to meet you. I, I barely even knew their name. They slid into my office. They sat down. And I found out at that moment, she opened up and said, this is what I wanted. I wanted love. My husband wasn't giving it to me. I wanted to serve God. And he wasn't going to serve God with me. And she made her own fix. And she unearthed to her husband that day a three-year affair that she was having with an elder of a church in our region. And you want to know how crazy this was. I'd never heard anything like this in my life. And she says, and I feel so loved. And she says, and when I'm with this guy, oh, I feel so good and I feel so loved. And, but when I'm with Reggie, she said, I feel sick. And she says, and this guy over here, we want to serve God together. We're going to be missionaries together, she said. And Reggie doesn't want to do any of that. And, and I said, well, how? You're married. And she said, but. This guy and I, we did our own private wedding ceremony. And what I have with Reggie, that's just a piece of paper. And needless to say, the elder was married as well, and he went on to describe that's just a piece of paper too. A fix. She had a genuine need. And yet her design and her personal quick fix for it ended up being crazy, crazy fix. Well, this morning what I want to do, I want to walk us through a little series in the book of Genesis. It's going to show us a man by the name of Abraham, and it's going to talk about his fix that he did for a situation he found himself. And in fact, there's two of them, and if you'll, um, you're in Genesis chapter 12, here we are understanding and becoming acquainted with one of the first main historical figures in the Old Testament. At this stage in the story, this account, his name is Abram. Later it's changed to Abraham. But there is a promise that God gave him. And here's what this promise was. It's in Genesis chapter 12. And I just want to read for you these first three verses. It's a little bit warm in here. Okay, well... Um, how about you stand just for a minute? I wasn't going to do this, but just stand up for a second. This will give you the opportunity to get the blood flowing and be ready to go the rest of the distance in our discussion here this morning. Notice the, uh, the first three verses of Genesis 12. 
And here's the promise that God gave to Abram. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is an awesome promise. We're going to see what this means. So have a seat. Let's begin to work through this. This was... A gigantic promise. This is something more than any of us could imagine. God stepped on the scene and reached out to this man named Abram, and he told him, I am going to give you a land. I don't know how much acreage you own. Some of us are on potion stamps. Some of us own a great deal of acres. Probably none of us own a nation. And here God says, you know what? I'm going to give you a nation. I'm going to give you a mass of land. And then he says, I'm going to give you innumerable descendants. This is all a part of this promise. And here he was at this point married to a woman named Sarah. And they understood they were going to populate this nation and all of them would be descendants of Abraham and Sarah. And then he not only mentioned, I'm going to give you this land, I'm going to give you this huge population. He said, I'm also going to make the whole world blessed through your descendants. We're going to see what that means in just a little bit. So here's this phenomenal promise that God gave. I don't know if you can, can you wrap your head around this? Here's what it is. Abraham, this is how it turned out. Here we are 4,500 years later talking about this man. If our world continues, how many of the world are going to be talking about us in 4,500 years? Huh? How many of us are going to have a nation? This is crazy. Can you imagine how he felt? He must have just leapt out of his skin. This is incredible. Sarah, can you imagine this? This is our future. We'll never be forgotten. The world will be dramatically blessed through our offspring. They must have just been so excited as they walked out of here. And then all of a sudden, maybe God's plan wasn't working so well. Notice, notice this. Here we end at verse 3. And Abraham went, as the Lord told him, verse 4. And he took his wife, Sarah, verse 5. And they traveled, verse 6, to this land. And, uh, and they continued. Now notice verse 10. This is just a few verses later. Now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, I know what a beautiful woman you are. It sounds like it's starting out well in the conversation, ladies. Would you agree? You are beautiful. Notice verse 12. But when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me. 
but will let you live. Say you're my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Interesting. Can we walk through this here a little bit? So God promises to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land and I'm going to give you innumerable descendants. Now to have innumerable descendants, you need to have children. Am I the only person around here that knows how this works? You can have children, okay? Now, if Abraham isn't living, it's kind of difficult to have children. True. And so he comes into this situation. He was moving into this land, and, and this famine happened. He had to step out. He went down to Egypt, and he's thinking, this plan isn't working out well. This is not where my nation's going to be. And then he looks and says, wow, my wife's gorgeous. And Pharaoh's going to want her. This is really getting messed up. Here comes the duct tape, folks. Sarah, say you're my sister. So much for knight in shining armor, huh? Say you're my sister, and everything should be just fine. They won't kill me. Now notice what happens. Normally in our duct tape, as we found out with the genes... A quick fix can work for a little while. Check this out. Verse 16. Well, verse 15. So they did see that she's beautiful. Verse 15. Pharaoh's officials saw her. They praised her to Pharaoh. And she was taken to his palace. And here, verse 16. He treated Abraham well for her sake. Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female, donkeys, male and female servants and camels. This was working out beautifully. Abram is thinking, "Woo! was I a genius or what? I came up with this idea because we're down in Egypt and, and Sarah's beautiful. And now I'm getting stuff. And Sarah's getting stuff. And I'm still alive. This is working so well for a moment. Here's the ultimate results of Abram's plan. Verse 19 He kind of needs a wife in order to have descendants. And look at what happened in verse 19. Pharaoh, it says, took her to be his wife. Oopsie. I'm sure when Abram heard this, uh, this is not going the way that I thought it was going to go. I wanted Pharaoh to be happy with me, but I didn't want her to, uh, him to marry my wife. And then all of a sudden... Notice verse 17, the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household. I don't know what they were, but the text mentions they were significant, they were serious, and those diseases came because of Abram's wife, Sarah. And so here Abram's plan started out thinking he was brilliant. I think I figured it out for God, I patched it together, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh marries her. They all get diseased. And now Pharaoh is angry with him, which is what he wanted to avoid in the whole beginning. Pharaoh was very angry with Abraham. And Pharaoh said, get out of here. Pharaoh could have had him killed, but ended up sending him on his way. God stepped in and spared him. 
Fix number one wasn't going too well. And you would have thought maybe Abram would be figuring this out by now. This was not a good idea for me to try to duct tape and patch this together. Maybe I should have just trusted God all the way through and let him take care of me. Let's move through this really quick because I have a few things here in the end. Look at chapter 15, if you would. I need to give you the rest of the context. So chapter 15, God pulls Abram aside and he renews his promise to him. Notice verse four and five out of chapter 15. Then the word of the Lord came to him because Abram was thinking, maybe this servant of mine will be my heir. And God says, no, 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 this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky, count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteous. And if that wasn't enough, look down at verse 17 and 18. In the very end of this promise, God had set up and had Abram set up an animal that was sacrificed and all of the parts of it were rendered and half of them on this side and half of them on this side of verse 17 and 18 chronicle what happened. It said, when the sun had set, darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with blazing torch appeared, passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, to your descendants, I will give this land from the wadi of Egypt, of the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphidites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And can I get a round of applause for getting through all those in one breath? Whew. Here's what God did. God said, you, you kind of doubted me earlier on. So I'm going to make this promise so certain. And we're going to go ahead and sacrifice these animals and rend them and put the parts on both sides and I'm going to pass right through the middle. And here's what that means. God's saying, I'm going to do this promise for you or so be it to me to be like these animals. This was a covenant. That says, I will fulfill my promise to you. You will have a nation. It will be a son. It will be from your body. And your descendants are going to be like the stars. That's the promise. Here's problem number two. Check this one out. Move on, if you would, chapter 16. Right on the heels of the promise. The very next verse. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, gave her to her husband to be his wife, and he slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Duct tape fix number two. Have a child through another woman. And Abram's plan once again seemed to bring some temporary relief. It's working. She's pregnant. We're having a son. 
And then here's what happened. It didn't take much. Verse 4, he slept with Hagar. She conceived when she knew she was pregnant. She began to despise her mistress. She and Sarah were not getting along. Verse 5, Sarah said to Abram, now, I don't understand this. Remember whose idea this was in the first place? This was Sarah's. However, verse 5, then Sarah said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I'm suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she's pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. So here Abram has this child, and now Hagar and Sarah are at odds, and now Sarah and Abram are at odds, and this is just going from bad to worse. And I'm going to tell you the very worst thing that ever happened. Let's see how you're, maybe some of you have some Bible knowledge about this. So Abram and Hagar had a child, and the child's name was, anyone know? Ishmael. Later, God said, Abram, you blew it again. That's not who this son will be through. It's going to be through Sarah. And Sarah and Abram later had a son, and his name was Isaac. Let me, let me share with you how this worked out in human history. Ishmael, the son that was their duct tape fixed together, let's see if my maid can have this child to bring the promise. He is a significant person in historical understanding. However, in a different way, Ishmael is recognized as an important prophet and patriarch of Islam. Did you know this? Muslims believe that Ishmael was the firstborn of Abraham and that all of the promises of God should be through him. He is the ancestor of several prominent Arab tribes. And did you know this? Muhammad traces his lineage back to Ishmael. And is it going off in your head now for a moment? So here you have Ishmael from one side of Abram. And his descendants say, no, 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 the promises of God to Abram are with us. And if you look in the Quran, they go all the way back to Abraham. However, their rival is on the other side of Abraham, which is Isaac, Jacob. And you wonder why they struggle with Christians is because guess who came down the road through this lineage who died on the cross to save the world from his sins, Jesus Christ. And guess what? Flip on the news, gang. And the big challenges of today... <clears throat> between Islam and why they hate Christianity and hate America, go all the way back to this duct tape fix of Abram. I think I know how I'm going to work it out. And throughout history, the primary national and global strife has been born out of this specific fix of, of Abraham. 
And we're seeing it today in full force. Why do we do it, folks? I can't smack Abram around here this morning. I've done my share of duct tape fixes. And I know that you have. We've all done crazy fixes in our life. Why do we do them? I don't, maybe you have a spot on your study guide to put these. I, these are extra. I, I put these in. I was just thinking, why do we fix things the way we do? Why do we step in and try to help God out in ways he, he would never want us to do? I got a few of them here. Write these down. Maybe you had some more you would add. We get scared. Sometimes we get scared. Sometimes we're thinking, I don't know what's going on, and we hit the panic button. I think that's what Abram did first when he was in Egypt. I'm scared for my life. I don't have time to think about it. Instead of trusting God and hoping that he'll work things out, I, I need to work this out myself. And he, he hit the panic button and tried something that was completely off the wall. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we get hurt, and, and I get it, and we want some relief. We just want temporary relief. We're not thinking about the long term. We're not thinking, how may this work out? We're just thinking, I need relief now. Sometimes we get confused. I just can't process all of this, and and in all of that, we think, you know, maybe God needs my help. You know, maybe he's wondering, oh, I wasn't expecting this. And we think we need to devise a plan to help him out. Sometimes we get lazy. We slap on duct tape rather than just taking the time to fix it the right way. And sometimes we copy because you know what? A lot of people are walking around with duct tape lives nowadays. And we think, hey, they're all wearing duct tape. I think I'll wear duct tape too, you know? What things do we duct tape together? Here we go. Sometimes we duct tape our marriages together, don't we? Sometimes we duct tape our sexuality together. Sometimes we duct tape our acceptance together, our popularity, and we think, you know, if, I, I just want people to like me and we'll step out of the way God would want us to do things because we want to be able to be accepted by others. Sometimes we duct tape our finances together. Instead of doing things God's way, we kind of figure out how we can handle things our own way and we get ourselves into a bind. And when we attempt to fix our issues using our human ingenuity and not God's prescribed plan found in his word, there will be temporary relief. And here's the phrase. There'll be relief. There'll also be regret. We'll get relief, but we'll also get regret. I want to give these to you. We're going to finish up in just a moment. Here's lessons from Abraham. Number one, lessons from Abraham. Our plans bring temporary relief with long-term regrets. I know it may give you that moment 
I was able to buy that thing. Isn't that great? Or you know what? My spouse finally shut up when I told him what for. Or I finally got things the way I wanted at work. And it may give us a temporary relief. However, in the long run, here come the regrets and here come the problems. And we realize that sometimes it wasn't worth that temporary relief. Here's number two. Another lesson from Abraham. If he were here right now, he would say our plans can reveal a lack of faith in God. A lack of faith in God. Ultimately, he didn't think, hey, my plan's awesome. Ultimately, he thought, I don't know if God will really take care of the situation the way I'd like him to. And it revealed a lack of faith or confidence in God. Sometimes we do this. I want to share with you one way that I've seen confidence. We see confidence ultimately in our responses to situations, not always in our words. And I'll tell you, uh, this is how it goes at the Conover household. We've had a few situations where we've been teaching our children how to drive. And so I'll be in the passenger seat. Here they are over in the driver's seat. And we're going along. Come on, tell me you haven't done this. As they go along, you're, you know, and you're grabbing on here to the dash and you're holding on over here and you're hitting your imaginary brake pedal as you're going and it's doing absolutely nothing. And I remember one time, one of our girls were over here driving and I'm doing one of these and she said, Dad, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm just fine. Everything, you're doing a great job, honey, you know, like this. And what it was is my actions were betraying the reality. I was saying one thing, but the truth is I was not confident in all of what was going on. And we can tell God, hey, I trust you. I think everything's going to work out just fine. However, when we start over here hitting this imaginary brake pedal, when we're trying to control things on our own, it ultimately reveals a lack of faith or confidence in God. If there's one thing that Abraham could tell us if he stood right in front of us now, this is what he'd say. God's promises always best our plans. Always. God's promises always best our plans. I don't even know how to communicate this to us, folks, in a way that really merits the weight that this should have. There is no duct tape plan we could ever come up with that will ever work out better for us than if we stuck with God's plan and did it his way from the beginning. Yeah. And I know what happens. We throw on some duct tape. It's not working, and so we put on more, and we put on more, and we put on more. You know, the old saying goes, if duct tape doesn't fix it, you're obviously not using enough duct tape and that's the way some people live their lives. They just need to do a little more and a little more, and they just keep getting into such a crazy, crazy bind. And if Abraham were here, he'd say, you know what? Put it away. Put this away and forget about doing it our way and just go with God's plan and trust him. Remind me of um, a book I read a while back by Tim Hansel. Here's what he said. He said, one day while my son Zach and I were out in the country climbing around in some cliffs, 
I heard a voice from up above me yell, hey, dad, catch me. And I turned around to see Zach joyfully jumping off a rock straight at me. And he jumped first and yelled later. He said it just became an instant circus act. I'm catching him and falling to the ground. And he said for a moment I could hardly even talk after I grabbed him. And here we are on the ground. He said I finally got my voice and exasperation. I said, Zach, can you give me one good reason why you just did that? He said, Zach replied with remarkable calmness. He said, sure, because you're my dad. And I just knew you'd catch me, he said. This whole assurance is based in the fact that he trusted dad. Here's where I want to end with today. Trust your dad. Trust God. Don't try your own duct tape fix. You want acceptance? Don't don't stoop yourself just for the sake of acceptance. You want relationship? Don't give your body away just for the sake of what you think is love. You want a real marriage? Don't try what they talk about around the water cooler to try to get things your way. What financial freedom? Don't just get more and more and more cards. God has a plan. He's got a way. It works best his way. But we've got to trust him and obey. I'd like you to think about this. Is there something in your life right now that you are duct taping together? I'd like you to repent of it. Have a change of mind. Give it to God and trust him to work this out the way that he wants to, and you will be patient and have confidence in him all the way through. So would you with me pray? Would you close your eyes? I just want you to focus inside. Is there something you're taping together? Because it wasn't working right. But you know the tape job isn't really going to hold either. I'd love to have you tell God about it. And I'd love if you would, not only just telling him, but to tell him you want to fix it the right way, his way. Would you do that right now in the silence? Really? Do some business with God. Even if it hurts to pull the tape. Talk to him right now.
Father, you've heard the cry of people here, my friends this morning. And these are hard decisions, God. And God, I pray as people have bore their soul to you, they've exposed the tape. God, would you help them? Help them to trust. Show them your plan is right. It's best. God, help us to recalibrate our confidence in the God of the universe and in your genius and ingenuity work out our lives the way they need to be. May we trust and follow you with all our heart. And all of these Bay Calvary said,